0: Hey friends, John Newton here, Rector of St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin. This is the first of three reflections that I will be releasing this week. The second will come out on Wednesday and the third on Friday. My intention is just to offer a few reflections as a way of staying connected and giving us some perspective as Christians during this time of heightened fear and anxiety. There's a great verse in the Gospel of Luke. Where Jesus looks at his frightened disciples, people very acquainted with things like disease and war and famine. And Jesus spoke the words that I hope we're all able to hear during this time. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, he says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is your Father's pleasure. To give you the kingdom. And so to root our lives and our hearts and our church in this truth, I'll offer three reflections this week. And the first today's is going to be on our assurance as Christians. We may not be in control, and you know, control might just be a big illusion, but that does not mean that we don't have assurance, that there isn't an unshakable truth that we can rely on when everything else seems unreliable. And so we're going to look at that today. And then on Wednesday, we'll look at hope. And on Friday, we will explore the topic of fear. But the theme for today's reading is assurance. And so with that, let's turn to a passage from the prophet Isaiah, and then we'll dive right in.
1: A reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 8 through 16. Thus says the Lord, In a time of favor I have answered you. On a day of salvation I have helped you. I have kept you and given you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, Come out. To those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the ways. On all the bare heights shall be their pasture. They shall not hunger or thirst, neither scorching wind nor sun shall strike them down. For he who has pity on them will lead them, and by springs of water will guide them. And I will turn all my mountains into a road, and my highways shall be raised up. Lo, these shall come from far away, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of syena Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his suffering ones. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child? or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Here ends the reading.
0: I'd like to begin by acknowledging something that we all really know but we don't like to admit. Faith is hard. Staking our lives on the faithfulness of God, especially at moments like this, can be really, really hard. You see, there is an enemy, an enemy that lurks like a lion and is always on the prowl. And that enemy isn't consumerism or the media or the culture. No, the greatest threat to our faith is despondency. Despondency is what happens when the brokenness of life breaks us. It's what happens when we lose hope. And knowing that faith is hard and that it's often threatened by this lurking enemy of hopelessness, we need to ask, whenever we feel despondent, what assurance do we have that God loves us, that God is with us, and that, as Revelation puts it, that God is at work making all things new? What is our assurance as Christians? This is the question the people of israel are asking in this reading from the book of isaiah and in the first five verses it's god that does all the talking god is responding to the people's fear and to their real sense of loss that comes with being exiled you see israel's temple had just been destroyed and that temple was their assurance their assurance that god loved them and that God was with them, and that God would never forsake them. And when the Babylonians demolished that temple, they at the same time demolished the people's assurance. So in the first five verses of the reading, God tries to comfort them. The prisoners, God says, are going to be set free one day. The people in darkness will come into the light. My kingdom will be established, and people from all over the world will will flock to be a part of it. And in verse 13, God really takes it up a notch. What I'm about to do, God says, is so amazing, so amazing, that even the mountains will break forth into song. But the people of Israel are too despondent to care, and they interrupt God. The Lord has forsaken me, they say. My Lord has forgotten me. But I'm sure you get the gist for what they're really saying. You say you love us, God, that everything's going to work out fine, but we feel forgotten. And for all we know, it's just a bunch of talk. God, you say you love us, but how can we be so sure? Now, before we look at God's response, we need to pause. At some point in our life, we have felt like this, or perhaps in the coming weeks, we will. I mean, right? We've all had those moments when the brokenness of life threatens to break us. We get divorced. The prognosis is bad. Someone we love dies. We get depressed. We lose our job. We lose our hair. We lose our confidence. We see the failings within and the pain without. We turn on the news, and it's nothing but wars and rumors of war. We all have those moments whenever we feel forgotten, and It is precisely these moments that can make faith hard. Yes, we know the promises of God, but we want assurance. God says he loves us, that everything will work out just fine, but we feel forgotten. And there's a part of us that wonders, is it all just a bunch of talk? How can we be so sure? One of the things I've always loved about God is that Whenever we question God, in Scripture, God often questions us back. Can a mother forget her nursing child? This is what God asks the people of Israel. And for those of you who love to think of God as the bearded man in the sky, Isaiah gives us a different image. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Now, this will not shock anyone, but I don't know a whole lot about nursing a child. I do know what pleasure my wife Emily took in nursing our two daughters, Annie and K.K., and as I think back on that time, I'm very aware that I literally am unable to think of an image more tender than this, of a mother nursing her child. You see, in all human relationships, a certain level of give and take is required. A friendship, a marriage, a business partner, both parties have to give and take. That's just how our relationships work. They are, to some extent, conditional. That is, of course, except for one relationship, and that's the relationship of a nursing mother to her child. This relationship is unconditional. The mother gives everything. But not only that, it is a relationship where the mother's physical and emotional comfort is tied to her ability to nurse. In fact, when a mother nurses her child, her body releases chemicals that fill her with an overwhelming sense of delight and contentment. And if a mother should forget or stop nursing, her whole body will start to hurt. It can be a very painful experience when a mother can't nurse. The whole body cries out in pain. The point, of course, is that both emotionally speaking and physically speaking, it's impossible for a nursing mother to forget her child. And what God wants Israel to know, and what God wants us to know, is that God's love for us is like that, unconditional. It is a relationship where God gives everything, where God feels an overwhelming sense of delight and contentment when God can feed us and one where God feels incredible pain when God can't. Now, I'm not sure if you notice or not, but I still haven't answered the question. As moving as this image is, at the end of the day, it's still just an image, more talk. But of course, our God is a God of action. And so let me point you to the final verse where what God says is astounding. I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Now, in Isaiah's day, a master would sometimes tattoo his own name on the palms of his servant, but never would a master tattoo the name of his servant on his own palms. For one, it would be beneath him. A master would never lower himself in the side of his servant in that particular way. But second, it would hurt. The English may say inscribe, but the Hebrew says engrave. In Hebrew, the word literally means to cut into something with a hammer or a chisel. Imagine a spike being methodically driven into someone's hands. Now think about this. Engraving someone's name on your palms isn't just painful. It's permanent. Laser scar removal technology was not around in Isaiah's day. If you engraved someone's name on your palms, that name would be there forever. Well, centuries after Isaiah was written, there was this guy named Thomas. And Thomas was despondent. You can read about him in John chapter 20. Thomas had lost his best friend, and he had lost his hope. My Lord has forsaken me, he said. My God has forgotten me. Thomas's friends were all saying, he has risen, he has risen, he has risen. But Thomas was too despondent to care. He felt forgotten And for all he knew, it was just a bunch of talk. How could he be so sure? Well, Jesus appeared to Thomas, and what Jesus did next was so significant, he showed him his palms. Palms that had been cut into with a hammer and a chisel. Palms that had recently been driven into with spikes. Palms that had been engraved. Thomas, he said, Here is your assurance. I will never leave you or forsake you. Your name is engraved on my palms. I believe that our witness to the world as Christians begins when we know our assurance, when our life is rooted in an unshakable belief that in the face of human despondency and fear that God still speaks a grace-filled word. This is our faith that the Word became flesh, was nailed to a cross, and embraced all the world's despondency both with us and for us. Our God is not a God of talk. God is a God of action. And so, yes, we will have those moments. We'll have those moments that threaten to break us. But our assurance lies in the knowledge that on the cross, our Master was broken for us, and that he was broken in a way that allows us to be made new. Faith, says the author of Hebrews, is the assurance of things hoped for. What exactly is the nature of that assurance? It's that our names are permanently engraved on the palms of God. It's that it would be more likely for a nursing mother to forget her child than for God to forget about us— It's that on the cross, God gave everything. And so let the heavens sing, and let the mountains break forth into song, for the Lord has comforted his people. Let us pray. O God of peace, who has taught us that in returning in rest we shall be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy Spirit, lift us, we pray thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that Thou art God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.